Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 233. Runaways, Season 1, Episode 7, Refraction. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Los Angeles, MCU, colon, LA. And I am here with two other people, and they're not Evan. But that's because he's traveling for the holidays. So it takes two people to fill your shoes, Evan. You got some big feats. And those two people yes. are Agent Stu. Yes, Agent and, Stu. And Agent Samantha. Hello. Welcome to Level Hi. Seven. Hi. Hello. How are you, Ben? Doing good. Doing good. good. And I am ready to talk about refraction. This episode, mm-hmm. we get time travel and we get school open houses. Man, I can't think of more exciting things to talk about <laughs> than time travel and open house. So are you guys yeah. ready to talk about this thing? <laughs> I yes. have good things and bad things to say. <laughs> so here's here's the one thing I'm. We always, or no, we don't always, but we try to give people the, the, uh, not the warning, but just the explanation of our spoilers policy. Um, we spoil, we, we consider fair game anything MCU that we've talked about on the podcast. So we're not going to talk about defenders. We're not going to talk about Punisher. Um, the one thing I might throw out there is we, we don't like go into a lot of depth if we do talk about something from the past unless it really affects what we're talking about here i have a feeling we're going to be talking about a little bit of doctor strange and a little bit of agents of shield as we talk a little bit about runaways mm-hmm. 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 yeah mm-hmm. and honestly we might even just go there right now with our cold open because mm-hmm. as <laughs> the, the cold open before the uh the opening credits is 25 years ago and it's when Victor met Janet or Victor and Janet meet cute and talk about time travel. And then we jump forward to just about 17 years ago and we see that Chase has been born. And this is the only thing that matters, according to Victor. And then about 10 years ago, Victor missed the city championship and he said he would try to be he try to be there. But uh, he didn't try to be there. And this is where we see, I don't know if this is meant to be the first moment of actual physical abuse that Victor gives to Chase, but it is definitely a little bit of a surprise to Chase and Chase stands defiant and gets hit again. And it's very difficult to watch. And then we come to today and we have um, the time machine activates as Victor is in his lab and there is a voice speaking 
And it says, Dad, I hope you get this in time. I'm sorry. Whatever you do, don't pick up the Fistigons, which are the 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 Iron Man light <laughs> uh, boxing gloves. Um, but it's Chase talking through the time travel machine from the future. And you can tell he's in the future because he's, got, he's a got a beard. beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you could tell we were 25 years ago with Victor and Janet because – I don't know if you heard this or not, but some of the background dialogue, one of the person, one of the kids says to another kid, have you seen Reservoir Dogs yet? As they're walking out of class. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Oh, man, it stuck out to me. I don't know if it was because I was listening with uh, headphones on or what, but man, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's 25 years ago. In fact, I probably had that exact conversation with a kid walking out of class when I was in college. Anyway. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, that did, so, that did not come across my iPhone because that's how I watch these episodes frequently. It was not in the subtitles either. So yeah. So twenty five years ago in the MCU, what was happening? Does anybody have a, a timeline on that? Because I don't. Uh, I was just asking a question. Twenty five years ago in the MCU is about the time that they're saying um, uh, Captain Marvel. I think is is happening because they're. I think mm. they're saying that Captain Marvel is in the nineties, maybe. Yeah. Um, and this is also uh, around this time period is when um, uh, Peter Quill's mother died. Right. Mm-hmm. What about when um, when did uh, Tony Stark lose his parents? I don't know. But did- Stuart, you just posted something about this. You, you what you posted something about uh, the the death of the Starks on your Facebook timeline. Oh yeah, I the, did, didn't I? <laughs> I uh, the the fake uh, the fake memorial of yeah. Remember and, this and, date and, on this date twenty years ago or something like that. Uh huh. Let me see if I could I could <laughs> find that. You're you're hitting me blindsided there, Ben. Um. Yeah. So. Look, I, I don't care what's happening 25 years ago in the MCU. I want to talk time travel. All right. Isn't it weird that time travel showing up in Runaways and in S.H.I.E.L.D.? Boom. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Uh, it's, it's, it is very strange. And it makes me a little bit nervous. Like, is this going to be happening a lot? Um, we also have Doctor Strange with the time stone or whatever. Um using that and and of course i like the way that got got used in that movie it didn't get used where they're like visiting the past or going ahead to the future um and that's not to say i don't like it i love time travel stories and we've talked about mm-hmm. this before i mean i've i've written stories uh books about um time traveling flies called time flies cuz time flies <laughs> when you're having fun um, oh ben yeah and it's spelled with a Z. It is. Time I know Ben. Flies. <laughs> no, I had a lot of fun writing that. And then, but my first published comic book was, was a time travel story called time Peace, which is about a guy who gets a, a watch that lets him travel through time. And so I, I love this kind of stuff, but it can get messy. And that's what I don't mm-hmm. want to have happen is I, I don't want it to get messy. I don't want to have conflicting timelines and stuff like that. And, what I like here is that we have this very clear rule 
of time travel for this particular inventor working on his particular machine. And right, is, which you can, is you can see oh. into the future. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't go to the future. You can't do anything like that. So it's interesting then how is Chase broadcasting back to the past? Because he's in front of the thing saying, hopefully his dad's watching it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I answered my own question. Listeners, well, I, that's what happens. I, I wonder. I mean, I, I wonder if it's a, like that's it's the same machine sending, you know, yeah. transmitting back to itself. Right. And if that's the case, I mean, potentially someone set it up to, to watch those buildings fall. But that's I, true. I, I like that we have this clear. We know exactly what's happening on Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. We don't know the rules yet. We don't know the rules of time travel, and we'll talk about that on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. But but here we do know the rules, and it gets set up here with um, this idea of atmospheric refraction as time travel, where you are looking at the sun, but you are actually looking backwards in time. What you are seeing does not exist at the time that you actually see it. And it's the same with stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there is – I was listening to some podcasts where they're talking about how – uh, way back in the ancient past, and it was recorded across the world where the, a new star appeared. And, and so astronomers in, in Asia and astronomers in Europe and astronomers, uh, you know, all over the world who are observing this kind of thing see this thing happen. It's a supernova. Well, they are watching it happen, but it happened way in the past. And it's, it's that idea here of the light from the stars that we get is from the past. And it's kind of weird to think about that some of the stars we see in the sky at night possibly don't exist anymore. But we have no way of knowing it because mm-hmm. because that the evidence of what has happened has not reached us yet. And it's the same idea here is he's talking about then um, you get extra time to consider or reconsider actions but that's that's it. You know, it's not about going back and forth and forth and back. It's about the moment. We are in this moment, but we're able to look ahead. So, Ben, are you telling me that I cannot make a time machine out of a DeLorean? Uh, no, I'm telling you that Victor cannot make a time machine out of DeLorean. OK, OK, OK. Thank you. Thank you. I was a little worried because I I want that. Not necessarily in my MCU. Yeah. No, this is not setting up the MCU's time travel limitations, but is absolutely setting up the limitations for whatever this device is that Victor came up with. And that's an interesting thing that I hadn't necessarily thought about is it is a rare occurrence to have different, um, different modes of time travel in a shared universe. For example, you don't have Biff going back in time with a telephone box as well as Marty using the DeLorean. You you only have one time machine. <laughs> so for the time stone and then, you know, this and then whatever's happening in S.H.I.E.L.D. to be coexisting in the same thing is a very interesting concept to me. Except for one thing, and that's Star Trek. 
I mean, Star Trek time yeah, travel. Star Trek. Not only does Star Trek time travel happen in different ways with different devices and different, you know, methods, you know, the slingshot where they go around the sun or, you know, all these different things. But they also contradict each other. But totally. anyway, <laughs> as far as like how it works, can right. they make a change? Can they not make a change? What are the effects of a change? And yeah, it it's almost funny. Almost funny. Although two of my favorite Star Trek novels are oh what do they call it the it's like the the chronological uh department of the star of starfleet and it's like they're the ones oh. they're the ones who have to go in and like talk to captain kirk every time he breaks uh temporal <laughs> prime directives and yeah, I, I mean they showed up in they showed up in that um episode of ds9 right, where yeah. it was the uh, oh, i forget the, the name tri- of it i'm a bad sergeant oh is that the one where they get back to the trouble with yeah the yeah. yeah, that's, that's a favorite in this house. Yeah, um, part of the, the, it's a triple the, the triple trilogy. The triple trilogy is a great series of three mm-hmm. episodes, and it's fun. But yeah, those those guys because of that um, episode, they got these these two pretty fun novels where you know it's mm. it's just the it, it's just the agents who have to deal with all the fallout of <laughs> of what happens with with time travel and yeah. So, okay. So time travel here, basically you can get this warning from the future and Mm -hmm. what you are seeing is not what is actually happening. Um, You're just seeing this kind of thing that's happened in the future. So we get told at the beginning, don't pick up the fistigons. And I wasn't expecting Chekhov's fistigons to be picked up in this episode because of Chekhov's pistol that Janet got last episode that didn't get used last episode, but it got used this episode. I was totally expecting him to pick up the fist of guns. I mean, if Spike does anything, it is exactly what he's not supposed to do. Well, I was expecting but him this to do is it not later, Spike. though, not this, this episode. Victor, this is Victor Stein, not Spike. You guys can talk about I Spike know. all you want, but I... To me, he's just no. a minor character in a few episodes that I saw in a show that was kind of on. I'm sorry. You you are describing everything he's ever been in. Oh. <laughs> mm. Yes. Except for this. <laughs> Except for this. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, he was Brainiac in, in, in uh, Smallville. Almost a Smallville, not Lois and Clark. And that was a few episodes <laughs> that I kind of watched while it was on. <laughs> Yeah, and then he was also a Doctor Who. No, not Doctor Who. Torchwood. Torchwood. Okay, so (laughs) anything else to say about time travel? I'm interested to see how the how how the uh, rules work. I mean, I sort of feel like we've got we're getting close to it, Um, and and we're gonna see this is better rules than than shields shield definitely and then you know with doctor strange you have his ability to just manipulate it uh, but i'm interested to see if if they contradict each other or how they contradict each other sometimes i feel like runaways is something that's almost oh. outside of the mcu Sometimes I feel like Runaways is absolutely outside of the MCU and to call it MCU is maybe stretching. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. But everything they've said so far is to say 
it does to the point where they kind of defended their use of um, Tina and the staff of one, which that character appeared in Dr. Strange and had the staff in Dr. Strange, but wasn't named on screen. And the producers have said she wasn't named on screen. It was just in the credits. So we feel comfortable using her here. Hmm. So is it, is it not? Well, everything they're saying is that it is. And, but then they're also saying we're doing our own thing. (laughs) So, Right. And they have yet to mention, I, I have yet to find a connection. I haven't mentioned the incident. They haven't mentioned, um, rocks on anything <laughs> rocks on. I mean, it takes place in Malibu and they, they keep doing flashbacks to, you know, 10 years ago, which is Iron Man one, a big thing happened in Malibu 10 years ago. You know, a big, big fight on the freeway. So, you know, that's a, I, there's lots of connections they haven't made. That's all I'm saying. And they haven't even made the connection to Stark. You know, I mean, basically Victor is, he would be rubbing elbows with Stark. He would be. At some yeah. of these galas and stuff where, you know, cause he's times man 10 years ago. He was and Times so Man Tina. of the Year, and he was Wired's, uh, Wired Magazine's Visionary of the Year. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. Tina, certainly. So, let's move to Act 1, because Act 1 mm-hmm. is kind of setting up relationships uh, to be knocked down later on. <laughs> uh, Catherine is snooping in Alex's room in case Molly said something to him. And then we find out the school open house is happening in the evening. Um, he catches his parents snooping in his room. And she says, oh, I'm doing laundry. Then his laptop beeps and she looks suspicious. Victor is preoccupied and he is also acting very happy. And the embrace look that we've talked about in the past here, where you hug someone because you just want to make sure you can give the face that shows how you're really (laughs) feeling. He gives a happy embrace look here because he's going to the open house. He's going to talk to that chemistry teacher. And, and, uh, Yeah, but Chase and mom have a little conversation about Robert, the guy that Chase's mom had an affair with. And Robert was kind in a time when I needed kindness. And Chase is not convinced that his mom wants the family to stay together, even though she says so. We move over to Nico and and Robert, and we find out he's moving out. And she realizes he's still in love with Janet. Um. Then we move to Leslie, who's bedside with a patient who's ready to see the spectrum. And Frank comes in to tell her to stop. Don't turn off the ventilator. Uh, these two crying family members need to leave the room so he can make his hands glow. And he wakes up the dying patient. And apparently Jonah has, has given him gloves that give him the power to heal. And Leslie says, what if the family tells everybody that you're some kind of healer? And he says, I'm counting on it. And then we get our teen group together where Nico confronts Alex about the password that he knew, but chase and Carolina interrupt before he's able to tell her anything or not. And then Molly comes and super sarcastic Gert comes and Molly tells them guys, I screwed up. There's our, this, this, uh, this seriously, this whole act is just kind of setting up these relationships to say, we've got Nico who's kind of in a good place with her mom but not so much with Robert. We've got Victor, who's kind of in a good place with Chase, but Chase not with her, his, his mother. Um, you've got Leslie and Frank and, and their 
in this place now where she's the one in power, but he's the one who's kind of taking power because Jonah, um, dry skin face hugger man is no longer dry skinned or, and does not have a face hugger on his face, but he's kind of exerting his control. And Leslie's not happy about that. Um, Alex still doesn't like his parents. <laughs> and it's making it clear. Also, we need to get a screenshot of those Pez dispensers. <laughs> we have to. We have to do that. Okay. Uh, what I found interesting, several things I found interesting about this whole episode. One, Alex is on par with the intelligence factor that his parents are. He, he sees them for what they're doing. Yeah. And they know it and they see him for what he's doing and he knows it. And so when he says, they're like, is there anything you want to tell me? I don't know. Is there anything you want to tell me? Yeah. (laughs) So that's a, that's a very, like he's on, he's on target. He's on point. Um, The other thing was this is the religion, the, whatever her religion is called. Uh, The Gibberum. Yeah. Gibberum. 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 Something like that. Sure. Um, It, it is a very interesting, it feels like they've set up the rules for the religion, but they're not going to tell anybody of them, which is fine. I have yeah. no problem with that. I don't need to know the rules of religion. I'm glad that they've thought about it, though, and have worked towards it. I, I think that they drop just in a, enough hints that we feel like we can know what they're talking about. So right. they're, it, they're talking about stuff we have no idea what it means, but it's just enough for us to understand. We may not know the specifics, but we definitely understand what's going on. It's familiar enough to where you're like, okay, I don't need to know the specifics, but I understand that the characters know the specifics. I'm, I am familiar with the concept of standing around a dying patient. Yeah. Yeah. And and, well, and that, that whole situation there, that's very interesting. And, And the whole idea of, I'm counting on them telling people. Well, I mean, that is snake oil salesman. Stereotypically snake oil salesman. That's, that's exactly what they do. Right. What's that? Which is, uh, you know, provide some sort of temporary relief, hoping that people will be, will go around the everywhere and tell people that you're a healer okay. or that you're a miracle worker. And then everyone comes, buys your stuff, and you get out of there just in time when they realize it's not actually doing anything. Right. Yeah. You, right right before they build the monorail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or and and plus it's it's horrible to have somebody on the brink of death and your glowy hand miracle brings them back to life. You know this person's gonna be dying like three days later anyways. I mean, it's just, well, the family's already prepared themselves to, to, you know, to have this person depart and it really messes with the whole grief cycle or the grief process. Unless it doesn't. I mean, yes. Okay. They've prepared. And then three days later, maybe he, he passes then. Um, I've been in a couple family situations where, uh, you just you think it's going to happen and then it doesn't. And it's just this kind of. Yeah, it's this kind of awkward, like, oh, 
like I'm prepared for this. Everyone, the doctors thought this was going to happen. And then, you know, it's a week later and it's just, oh, it's just this kind of constant dread of the moment that's going to happen. Um, yeah. Did you try to throw well, your grandpa and the, on the, uh, dead person's wagon and he screamed, I'm not dead yet. Like I'm walking around. <laughs> no, no. But my grandpa is doing a lot better now. Thank you. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> well, there's also the issue that this person is obviously very, very old. And yeah. he used that parlor trick to bring him back. I mean, use that on someone who's young. Well, but I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not going to judge him for bringing someone back to life so that his family can have more time with the guy. What I am going to judge him about is his motivations for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And let's, let's quickly talk then about Leslie then and Jonah, because she confronts Jonah about this. Jonah is the guy who gave Frank these gloves. Now there's first of all, this whole love triangle going on as well. Leslie is with Jonah and has been the entire time she's been married to Frank. Um, ex- and, and Frank caught them apparently in the past, but it got wiped from his brain. Um, she goes to Jonah and says, you are undermining my authority. And he says, no, this is my church. And she says, no, this is my religion. And this is about my father's legacy. And this is what's interesting. He says, the church is in the past and you do not want to be around when it falls, when it comes down. There's only one thing that matters and that's pride. And you need to go out and bring all your friends together again. And you need to do it quickly. And, and then she asks if anything's wrong. And he says, not yet. <laughs> no, nothing's wrong. Not yet. Anyway. But this idea, you don't want to be around when the, when the church comes down. I'm mm. wondering, I'm wondering if he has given this power to Frank as setup to prop him up as a new leader or to prop him up as a Messiah figure almost. And then he'll pull the rug out from his feet and, and the church will fall. And Leslie and Jonah will not have to be there when it happens because they've propped up Frank as the figurehead. And they get I, away. That's I terrible. It is horrible. I I believe that that they absolutely have done that. I don't know that Leslie did, but Jonah absolutely did. Because well, Leslie wasn't a part of what Jonah's doing here, though. I mean, right? It's it's Jonah's power play. This yeah. is my religion. No, she said it's his ch- her church, and he says it's my religion. That's what right. it was. And so, you know, and that's, and religions have, uh, I mean, that's a very, again, that's a very familiar subject with religion and church and all of those things. And I'm not necessarily wanting to talk all about that, but it's a familiar thing, especially in in this day and age when you have, you know, false prophets or teachers who aren't doing it because it's for the better of man. They're doing it for it's, it's the better of me, mm-hmm. you know, better for me. You know, they're they're driving their rules races around or whatever. And that's absolutely what I get from Jonah. Mm-hmm. Is this whole thing is only a thing because it's it's building him up and it's giving him power and it's or you know, it's just setting up what he needs so he he can have someone in place to <laughs> bring him back to life when he's old yeah. and frail and scaly got a face hugger on and has a face hugger on. <laughs> and, yeah, and 
you know, I'm wondering if at some point he's setting up Leslie to to discard her the way that that he's preparing to discard Frank. Or not in the exact way, but in a way, in a similar way. Maybe, but he's, it, they seem to have a relationship that has been going on for a very long time. Well, and that's something we would get to at the end of the episode. Well, let's, let's just keep going with and, Frank and Leslie, though. Right. And there's also, well, it's just, there. there's also this hint that maybe Jonah is immortal or has a long lifespan. Exactly. And. Has he done this before with other women? Frank and his assistant go into the storage room and they're looking through stuff and they find a picture of Leslie in eighth grade standing there with Jonah and he looks the same. Right. Now, it's getting icky. (laughs) It's getting getting more (laughs) icky than it was. And honestly, it was icky before. And dear listener, the the word we've used to describe this scene in every conversation we've ever had about it is icky. There's no other words to describe it. Yeah. Oh, well, there's other and there's words, lots possibly, of possibly, but <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of oh, okay, they're doing that. All right. So then we move on, and at the open house, this is where some of the not the relationships get knocked down. Um, Frank doesn't show up for his daughter. He shows up to confront Leslie and he says, who is Jonah? And he says, I have these memories of things of this guy, but this is not a memory. I'm actually holding this. And here's where we're getting into some interesting religion stuff too. Is he the one your father wrote about who saw the full spectrum? And she says it was. So here we thought, or I thought, that her father and she were both, you know, part of this spectrum thing. And and some of that comes from my knowledge of the comics. But it might be just from Jonah as far as what what uh, Carolina can do. And then she straight up tells him. <laughs> now, she's been messing around with other people's relationships. And so she just straight up tells him, yeah, I'm uh, me, me. And uh, Jonah, we're a thing. <laughs> okay, I want to nitpick something at first. Um, so every time I've ever attended a school open house has been at the beginning of the school year before the classes even begin. And these kids have obviously been attending classes for a while. Well, usually, I mean, the kind of open house you're talking about is to introduce you to the school. This kind of open house is to show people what's going on at the school now. Okay. Um, This is where like the the clubs all get their own place to show, Hey, this is what we've been doing. The, uh, that dance club had their video playing. Um, the, the classes are open, but it's, it's, it feels more of a, it's a showcase of here's what the kids at the school school are doing right now. Okay. Cause my school was so terrible that they would not even have thought to do something like that. So it's, know. it's your classic back to school night. This is what it is. Can I, can I tell you though, this is kind of funny and there might be a couple listeners out there who know what I'm talking about when I say this, but my daughters are totally into this show called backstage and mm. it's, it's this really light uh, soap opera takes place in a, a, a arts high school 
And the episodes we just watched the night before I watched this episode of Runaways was the open house episodes where they're doing the same kind of thing. They're, it's the middle of the school year. Um, it's actually the beginning of like semester two. And they're totally um, doing uh, their showcase of their the different dance clubs and the different um, art art displays and things like that. So I found that kind of funny and a little bit confusing. I'm like, why is this is an open house? This feels so familiar. Oh, because I just watched this with my daughters last night. <laughs> my my daughters watch um, ponies, which has no connection to this whatsoever. <laughs> no time travel with ponies. Oh, lots of time travel with ponies. Okay. There's time well, travel all over the place. Then there's connections. But there's no open house. <laughs> there's no open house. There's time travel Spike's still in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's mm. all. Uh, if you watch that show from start to finish, it, there's all sorts of stuff. Q shows up, man. Q shows up. He's <laughs> called Discord, but it's still Q. Okay. I, oh. I'm not <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna let myself get into it. So no. that's probably for the best. Just stay away. <laughs> yeah. Just gonna stay away. It's on Net- it's on Netflix if you need to. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so not that I so, don't want to have some someday, it's just you know, there are benefits. <laughs> uh okay. So so then what happens? Well that's it. I mean she tells him about the relationship with Jonah and he he's remembering things. And I, I think his mind was wiped by um, Gert's parents, maybe. And he's not supposed to remember Jonah, but now he does. And I think he's becoming Jonah's lackey and being set up for a hard, hard fall. And I feel bad for Frank even more than I have before. And I felt bad for him pretty bad before. So anything more about the religion here? I mean, there's again, they're just dropping these hints, but talking about it, seeing the full spectrum and, and the pictures that the grandpa, that Carolina's grandpa, Leslie's father uh, painted. And so let me ask, let me put this to the both of you. Do you think the religion is important? Personally, I don't. I think it's just window dressing and it's a way to have a religion without stepping on anybody's specific toes. Um, you know, because if you have Scientology, you know, you're going to make people angry. If you have Christianity, you're going to make people angry. But if you have this fake ish sort of hokey sounding religion, you're not going to make anybody angry. Yeah. It's, it's a fake new age religion. Yeah. That's for certain. But I think it is important. I, I, I think it's okay. very important. And you know, a few episodes ago, I might have agreed with you that it's just, uh, it's just the fake religion that they can use, so they're not going to make anyone mad. And now I think we're finding out that it's actually is a fake religion within the world uh, of the MCU. I, I think that we're seeing that this is not created by, you know, a science fiction writer of of pulp sci-fi novels who just decides I'm going <laughs> to build a religion. Instead, it's uh, an actual possibly even an actual alien who's come up with this religion. He's, he's a long lived almost, you know, and and the DNA that they talk about that they give to heal, uh, to heal Victor of his, of his brain cancer. Does that come from Jonah? Maybe, but he says someone with a great uh, immune system uh, has had this DNA and 
so instead of L. Ron Hubbard creating Scientology, this is Jonah creating Gibram and, and maybe even feeding it to Leslie's father to cause Leslie's father to write this book and to create this religion. And it's for his own nefarious purposes. And I think it is a very important thing as far as plans and plots of Jonah, the character. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. I wonder if people uh, put Thor up onto some sort of pedestal. Like yeah, religious, religious. No, I mean it in the MCU now. I don't see how they don't. Oh. <laughs> I don't. Absolutely. Well, the um, there's been a religion that has been started based on the Force from Star Wars. Um, so sure. I wouldn't be surprised. But imagine, though. Yeah. Imagine our world. We look up in the sky, and there's actual Thor. Right. Like full on people actual are, Thor. Things are going to change. Like people are going to be yeah. like, okay, hey, that guy's real. <laughs> There's some reality right. here. What does right. that mean? Yeah. Right. And and then there's there's going to be the people who think about what that means. And there's also going to be the people who are like, well, that's a God I can see. Yeah. And. But Captain Rogers wouldn't be that guy. Nope. nope. He nope. would not. And and that's because. In the MCU, people recognize also that Thor is an alien, Mm -hmm. you know, and so actual Thor shows up, but he's actually just another guy from the planet next door or the realm next door. Anyway, yeah, it's the realm. Plus, Steve Rogers would not want to be honored that way. He's yeah. In many ways, he's just a a person. (laughs) Right. He He wouldn't appreciate he would not appreciate it at all. What does he say in Avengers? There's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Or something like that. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. That's the words I was trying to think of. Okay, so... Frank, Leslie, it's all taken care of there. Let's talk about some more relationships. They are getting knocked down. If we go back in time a little bit to that (laughs) earlier that day, um, Molly has just told the group that she screwed up. And she told the group how she screwed up and they don't like it. And they pile on her and she's, I don't want anything to do with you guys. Uh, so she leaves and goes, talks to the, I don't know if this is a cheerlead team squad, dance squad, something like that. Dance squad. She was trying out for it. Uh, in I think episode one and she tells them, I'm just looking for a place to fit in because I don't fit into the group that I used to fit into. And they say, well, we got a place for you. It's team manager. Go wash our towels. Um, but when she left, Carolina followed and tries to cheer her up and talks to her and says, we're, we're still friends. Um, so that's and that's Molly. all. And Carolina is exhibiting all the good things about the Gibberum religion. Right. All the all the positive aspects of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that's good. And that's imp- I, I think that might even be it's important on a meta level for sure. But it's it could be important in, in the plot. Right. If she's presented as this shining beacon of everything that is good in the Gibberum world. That could be an important plot point. Well, and you have this idea of the the possibility of of uh, Frank uh, being you know propped up as this you know 
healer with with parlor tricks. Imagine her showing up at one of their meetings and and taking off her bracelet. Oh yeah, you that know, would be is there's proof positive that that religion is true. You know. That, Ooh, do hmm. you think Leslie? Because Leslie's been trying to keep um, Carolina from 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 uh, Jonah. from Jonah. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think Leslie knows that Carolina takes off her bracelet and turns into Rainbow Bright? I don't. Oh, think, absolutely. Oh, you I think, think so? You think Leslie knows? Yes. I don't think Leslie thinks. Carolina knows about her powers. But yes. The question is, do you think does, Leslie know about Carolina's powers? I think yes. so. Yes. And so therefore she is trying to protect her daughter. Right. Ooh, that'd be, that. that's going to be an interesting, when that comes to a head, that's going to be an interesting thing. Yeah, it, it will be. I mean, what episode are we in? Is this episode six? I thought it was seven. Yeah, this is episode seven. We only have three more episodes in this season. Oh. Yeah, isn't that sad? <laughs> Remember when oh, we were yes. talking about Inhumans and it was like, we have three more episodes left. Oh, oh God. I want to see Coulson. And now we get this and Coulson in the same time. <laughs> right. Right. So, okay. Oh, man. <laughs> or like, yeah, it's like when you get to that, uh, that point in watching a season of doctor who there's only two more episodes left what am i gonna do with my saturday nights well it's, it's wait until christmas <laughs> Stuart. i hit that point i i i've been watching star trek and i realized oh crud this is the last one mm-hmm. and yeah you gotta wait 20 days just like the rest of us yeah well more because i'm gonna time it out so that i only have to pay for one <laughs> month Oh, that reminds me, I need to cancel. I'm going to write that down because <laughs> cancel CBS before yes. it starts charging. Okay. Remi- remind me when you're going to re-up it and I'll sign up for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Molly, I'm feeling bad for as well. I mean, she screwed up. She took responsibility, talked to her friends, and they just knocked her down. I feel like that was a very immature thing to do. And it just shows the maturity level of these group of kids. Cause at the end of the day, they are kids, right? If this was, say this was the Avengers, right. And, and Hawkeye (laughs) comes to cap and is like, Hey bro, I messed up. Cap would be like, that's cool, man. It's fine. We're brothers. Yeah. We're brothers. Tony Stark would be like, dude, why'd you do that? But we all know Tony Stark's the more immature one. So here's the thing. This is one of those situations where I don't like what's happening, but I don't like it for all the right reasons, you know? And right. I'm, I'm not going to make any spoilers, but yeah. there's a lot of stuff in the last Star Wars movie that I didn't like, but I liked, <laughs> I liked that I didn't like it. Like, okay. Putting I, fingers into my ears. La, la, no, no, la, I'm, la, just, la, I'm just la. saying that. I mean, that, that's, I, this is the same kind of thing here where, okay, these things have happened. I don't like that the kids did this with Molly, but at the same time, that's how kids operate. Yeah. Kids are mean. And I, sh- you know, I, they're, they're teenagers and they're, so, you know, most well, of them are older teenagers, but, um, well, and, and they're, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the, the kids are mean. 
kids. They are, but they're also they're also reacting to a lot of stress, right? They've found out that their parents are killers. They've are working on trying to crack this video that will prove it so they can take it to the police, which, <laughs> hey, let's talk about kids doing the right thing, taking stuff to the police, not trying to solve it on their own, Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my biggest complaint with those books, is that he goes out of his way to try to, like, do everything on his own. And if he just walked into Gandalf, or not Gandalf's... <laughs> Dumbledore. Just Dumbledore's yeah. office. The books would be over in two pages. But anyway. But that's why he's borderline Slytherin. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but it, but good job, kids, for actually trying to follow the law, right? So they're under a lot of stress. They're under a lot of pressure. They're trying to figure things out. And here comes Molly just sort of going, oh, guys, I messed up. Of course they're going to react poorly. It's an immature way to react. Well, but not only but they're th- immature. Not and this that. is how they learned that this is a bad way to react to this kind of right. situation. Right. Yes. And that feels very real. And that's and I do appreciate that. But not only that, they are in worse danger now because of her. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you're talking about all that stress and stuff. Yes, but that's worse because of what she did. Now, she says this and needs their support. Um and they, you know, she gets it from Carolina and, and that's good. Um, mm-hmm. Later on, we're going to find out that, you know, Gert, Gert still cares, but yeah. Oh, right. Man. I mean, they all still care. Even Nico, Nico still cares that, that for her friend, she's just letting the worry of, oh my God, I'm going to tell my parents what they, what are they going to think? They're going to know, like overcome her and make her react poorly. All right. So the other thing that's happening here before we get to the open house is Gert's parents. So Dale and uh, yeah. Stacy are uh, they've stolen a little bit of the DNA sample that was used to, you know, heal Rick, uh, heal Rick, Victor. And <laughs> they're they're bad science, bad scientists. Uh, he actually spills some of it on himself when he gives her a hug because he's holding <laughs> the open container of the thing and he's embracing his wife. That's good. We actually have a couple that cares about each other, Uh, but he gets lightheaded. She goes, get some food. And then he is tripping. He is super happy. (laughs) And this is where um, this might be where some of Victor's uh, happiness was coming from. I thought Victor got mind wiped. That did not happen. Clearly it did not happen. Victor does know everything that happened from before, but yeah, and so he he trips. Jeffrey and Catherine come to the door, and Stacy's all, um, "Can we talk at the open house?" So they're gonna wait until the open house. Anything yep. more about Dale and Stacy? I love, I these love guys. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I well, uh, every time I see Stacy, I'm thinking, "Oh, that's the princess from Quest of the Deltro." squadron or whatever that movie is from mst3k oh is it really yeah yeah it's it's one of the few color films that i remember from it and uh she played it like a gypsy princess or something like that but Hmm. yeah 
But yeah, every time I see her in anything, I'm like, oh, it's her from that MT- MST through K movie. She definitely looks familiar, but I don't think I've ever seen that. But she has one of those faces that you I've either really seen her in a lot of things or she just looks like the kind of person that I've seen in, in a lot of things. I think well, you, I mean, you probably have seen her in quite a bit. She definitely has that uh, uh, hippie, mm-hmm. crunchy granola. Portland, sorry, uh, vibe about her. And so it's probably that, the glasses. Well, no, it's not glass. I mean, well, it, is, it is, but it's also her acting. I mean, she, it's, yeah. it's every, it's every bit of everything. I mean, it's the f- stupid jokes they make about Ped say you, Ped say you later. <laughs> I've seen, I've, I've known those people. And I wanted to not know them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Stuart. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> so let's move on to the open house, which happens at their school, which is called uh, Atlas. And so it's time for today's installment of, hey, I just might have learned something. Uh, do you know any of the significance behind the name Atlas that would come Atlas, out of so the, it, um, uh, Atlas was the... I'm sorry. Um, Atlas was the Greek god that was holding up the world. Yes, that is true, but not what I'm fishing for. And when oh, is this he, and an when, MCU thing? It is a Marvel thing. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh. Yeah. I don't know. Well, oh, so do you remember? You remember the coffee shop, Timely Coffee? That was mm-hmm. yes. That was the name of the publishing house that published the early Marvel comics. Timely became Atlas. And Atlas became cool. Marvel. Oh, and so okay. they actually have done a few things in, in comics um, to reference Atlas. But they also did – there was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But then they did a comic series called Agents of Atlas. And that was like these kind of old – an older uh, organization. And yeah, it, so it's, it's actually a part of the Marvel history. One funny thing is um, I believe it was Stan Lee's brother uh, in the 70s decided he was going to create his own comic company to compete with Marvel. And he went and created a comic company that they called Atlas. And that was part of the, the idea was to, to riff on the, uh, that earlier comic company that Marvel used to be known as. And mm. I actually own every single Atlas comic ever published. <laughs> All really? Four dozen of them. Like, I really want to visit your house and see what you got in your, your collection. Well, here's, here's the deal. They did like, I don't know, 10, 12 different titles. Most of them only had one issue. A couple of them got as far as three. I don't think anything got further than three, if I remember correctly. But they are very interesting, very much of the 70s. And I, yeah. So why did you go out and buy all those? You were they, just like. They interested me. I mean, the whole, the idea of the yeah. company interested me. And I realized they're cheap. It's not a collector's item. Um, it's, oh. it's not the kind of thing where, you know, I spent 50 bucks to get one issue. And I mean, I got them all very, very cheap. Um, and I like comics from the 70s. And there's even a Swamp Monster comic in there. So, can't well, go then, no, you can't go wrong. By the way, um, uh, Bridget Brana is is stacy's name and she's in a lot of stuff including angel there you go oh that's right she was an angel hmm. <laughs> so we get another connection 
to a show you didn't watch. So there you go. <laughs> I did watch the last episode of Angel. And I love that cliffhanger. Yeah. I love the yeah. end of that series. That was one of the best series endings <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Said someone who did not see the entire series. Exactly. <laughs> I enjoyed it for what it was and not for what it needed to be. So I'm. I just wanted it to be a season finale, not a series finale. I loved it. I loved it. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's me as a writer looking on the outside, looking in. So. All right, let's talk about some more relationships going on here. We start out the open house. We've got Gert's dad falling asleep and snoring. We've got Robert standing behind Nico and Tina. We've got <gasps> Alex and his parents sitting there not talking and just kind of being quiet together. Uh, we've got Victor speaking up in the opening when he's not supposed to. And Frank, who didn't come, that we talked about. And she tells Tina that um, Robert and Janet are breaking up and ending things asks Tina to take Robert back. Uh, Leslie goes to Janet and says, Hey, if you're taking care of the health of your marriage, if it's over, you need to tell Robert that it's over. Um, and then of course she goes and talks to, uh, Frank. <laughs> so that, those are the rounds that she makes. Victor. Meanwhile, thanks Robert for quote, taking care of Janet when she needed to be taken care of. And then just, there's this unspoken threat. Uh, Jeffrey and Catherine find Dale and Stacy and tell them about Molly and show them something from Molly's parents will that will hopefully protect her somehow. And meanwhile, the, uh, the teenagers meet up and talk about needing that computer to become unencrypted so they can find out what is going on and, and they're able to, they'll be able to expose their parents. Oh, and then Victor threatens the lacrosse coach to make a public apology and let Chase back on the team. Victor, what was his? Victor is clearly not tripping anymore. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what I thought. Well, and at this point, does Chase want to be back on the lacrosse team? I don't think so. Yeah, but Victor doesn't care at this point either. I mean, Victor is there. Yeah. Uh, he's standing up for his son. Sure. I guess that's good. I mean, you know strangling his coach to get him back on the team may not be the way you, I would prefer it to happen. You know, if, if I was kicked off the lacrosse team, which would never, ever happen ever because I would never get on the lacrosse team, but you know what I wish we had right now. I wish we had a lacrosse coach. I wish we knew someone who coached lacrosse who watched. I wish we did too. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, that's the Venn diagram we need is someone who coached lacrosse and watched the show. (laughs) Um, Oh, speaking of of Frank and, and his abusive behavior, I wanted to go back to what you said earlier about that flashback Mm -hmm. where he and, and young chase are in the car. Yes. I don't think that's the first time that that Victor has exhibited violence towards Chase. I think that's the first time Chase has sort of stood up to him. It's possible. It definitely is an important moment. Because he's visiting that moment. Yes. And. Yeah. So whether it's the first time that he actually struck Chase or whether it's the first time that Chase openly defied him in the face of being physically struck. There, there's an importance to that moment. Absolutely. Yes. That is still also very hard to watch. It is. Yeah. It is. 
You know what's not hard to watch? What? No, what? no, it is hard to watch when Janet breaks it off with Robert. Yeah. That's hard to watch because that guy, and this is something, uh, I mean, this is what happens when you have someone who gets into an affair. Uh, a lot of times when the affair is found out, um, women are more likely to to break it off and and men are more likely to try and, and continue. But the whole thing is this person is giving you the thing that you need for that moment that you're not getting from mm-hmm. your spouse. And the, that's where the cycle comes is that once the affair, uh, once you've left the other person for your, the person you're having the affair with, you go back into the cycle of, you know, we're not actually giving each other what we need anymore because the, the, the romance is over. The excitement is over. And the, the language we use <laughs> in my class is the idea of the love bank where you're making deposits into the other person's love bank and that stops after a while. And that's something you need to make sure it doesn't stop. And then the other person does, you know, they're the one who's paying the attention that you need. And, um, but you don't have all the other stuff that goes with it. Daily household chores, for example, or, or whatever. And this was never going to work. This was never going to work. Nope. No. And Tina and is Nico in the shadows. And Nico calls him on it too. Yeah. And in, in the in the first, and I guess it was in the first act when they were there. And she's like, you know, you could just you could just call him, call talk to mom. I don't want to. I love her. Well, yeah. then you're an idiot. Well, I won't say he's an yeah. idiot because. I've seen some very, very smart people end up in some really, really awful situations oh, like absolutely. this. And he's emotionally attached and he allowed himself to become emotionally attached. And the unfortunate reality of the situation does not line up with the reality of his emotion. You know, whether or not um, that requ- uh, a love is requited, love can make you stupid. You make the most intelligent person stupid. I was I was saying, by the way, that that Nico was calling her father. It again, one of the immature things is everything is black and white, or at least one of the things you do when you were a little when you're a teenager is you see that you see things in black and white. The world should be very simple to you. And part of that is all you have to do is talk to mom. It'll it'll work out. All you have to do is talk to mom and then they, you know, they don't. But on the other hand, there's some wisdom there, too. You know, yeah. that's that's how it starts. Absolutely. That's where it starts. You know, maybe maybe you go ahead and move out, but talk to mom, you know, yeah. and yeah. don't give up. I think that's really more for her. For her, it's more. It's that I want this to be what happens. Talk to mom. Everything is going to be OK. Why? That's what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And I want to believe that it will be, but you're right. I mean, love makes you do stupid things. The power of love is is a curious thing. It makes one man laugh, makes another man sing. Man sing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you're you're just too darn loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of time travel, so Nico and Alex are in the coffee shop, and she confronts him about her mom's password again. And she doesn't want any crazy story about how he just guessed. How did you know? And I want to know now. Uh, mm-hmm. My guess was 
and I, I wanted them to say it, but they didn't, uh, was that the, the password was Robert, you know, and that he, he was not guessing he was making an educated guess, but, uh, Nico seems pretty convinced that he actually just knew it. I'm glad that they did not le- let this lie. Oh, the password was password. I hate it when I see stuff like that in movies and TV shows, unless it's Spaceballs. And we're talking about <laughs> five number digit. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Wow, that's amazing. That's that's the combination to my luggage. Well, no, yeah. it was uh what kind of idiot has a has their their combination be one, two, three, four, five? Change the combination on my luggage. Um <laughs> I yeah. And, and what's funny about that is, I mean, that was way, way before um passwords were really a, a common, common thing for everyone right. to have to figure out and think of. And even back then they knew that's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. So, yeah. But people well, still did it. Yeah. And people still do it today. And people still use yeah. password today. It's true. Don't use well, password as your password. Come on. So as viewers, the first time we would have been, okay, well, that's, you know, whatever. But the fact that she brought it up again, now we're going, I want to know too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yes. the, they are writing it in such a way that we need to question it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so – and that's bravo to the to the writers to the showrunners. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So the other thing that's going on is Molly comes into her room and her parents are in her room, and they have packed her up. They are sending her away to oh. her aunt or whatever, and it says family that she's never heard she's of, never even heard of, but it was in that will, and. She is mad and she almost hulks out, but Gert stops her, pulls her out and says, you know, I'm going to help you get through this. And Molly's like, this is the worst. This is the worst that could possibly be. And and Gert says, I'm going to help you through it, but you have to go. Yeah, that's that was hard to watch. This whole episode was hard to watch. That was hard to watch. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean. I want to park here, but the next, the last scene of the show is also very hard to watch. So, yeah. But anything he'll, uh, I mean, with Molly and Gert here, anything to, to, uh, continue here? Because I, I'm curious, like, how much do people know now? Like, uh, Jeffrey, Catherine, and, Stacy and Dale. So those two sets of parents know that Molly knows everything. Mm-hmm. And they suspect that other people know other things. Uh, but they're sending Gert or sending Molly away and Gert agrees. This is the best thing to do. I wonder if they're sending her away to protect her. So it, that's the impression mm. I get. That's I get the same impression. I get this. I get that impression from everybody except for Alex's mom. I almost think Alex's mom is wheeling and dealing on the side, and I forgot her name, so I apologize for that. <laughs> but I feel like she's trying to go the for betterment of pride, which is betterment of self. I need to send kid away. Well, if she gets Molly out of the way, 
then the nice thing about that is they they don't have to deal with that one. And if she hasn't told everyone anything, right? She can't now. Yeah. Except now there are telephones and email and Skype. That's true. Google except I, yeah. I get the impression that they're they're taking her off grid. Like they're they're putting her in a place where she won't have communication and, and people. Can't There's still sh- snail mail. Well, yeah, but only, yeah, I, only if you're willing to write it, you know, and and how are you going to write post office? And- <sighs> yeah. Mom, I don't I don't think she. I think if they're going to take her away to the the aunt she's never heard of or whatever it was. She doesn't know. There's no, there's no internet there. There's no <laughs> Snapchat. She's going to be off grid. She's going to be away somewhere where they're not going to be able to get to her. But there's still that one guy on the mule who comes by every two weeks. He brings coffee, right? Yeah. All or, right. you know, or maybe he, he brings strudel. I don't know. <laughs> Brig strudel. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm going for Eastern Europe. Okay, I'm going for something different besides coffee. Let's go okay. for something different, and that is <laughs> Chase is tinkering with the fistigons, and Victor comes in clearly off of his high now, and yeah, he confronts chase about going in there without his permission and chase is amazed and surprised that this is happening because wait you we were together we were working together and uh victor swings at him misses chase punches victor knocks him down unfortunately knocks him down right on the fist guns and victor stands up with one of them on his hand and he attacks he attacks chase zaps him He's about to zap him again, and a gun shot rings out. It's Janet. She has fired Chekhov's pistol from last episode. Dad, don't pick up the fistigons. Picked up the fistigons. That wound, um, there's a slim chance. Slim. No, he's dead. He's dead. This is TV. He he might in real life be dead, but I, I don't think he... He's dead. I'm, I'm Do you think she blew dead. away the part of his brain that that ha- was cancerous? <laughs> well, no. It was, it, he was shot in the shoulder. I thought. I, I thought he was shot in the head, like near the near the heart. Okay. Uh, I yeah. I don't think it was. A head yeah. Shot. Well, still, if it's near your heart, I hate to say it. There's a slim chance. Uh, here, here's the thing. I mean, he has that. First of all, he has he has two things going for him. One is he has a superpower of being named in the opening credits. True. Uh, mm-hmm. The <laughs> other thing is I he may be off the high, but I wonder if there's still some lingering traces of the uh, the DNA stuff that they gave him Ooh. and that he might uh, be able to heal faster. Yeah. Well, his name is Victor Stein. And if you've ever read Frankenstein, you know that there's Frankenstein's creature and the true monster is Dr. Frankenstein himself. So I never even put that together until just now when you said (laughs) it. Yeah. I mean, I I, I knew all the pieces. I was familiar with all the pieces, but I never associated them. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's how I read Frankenstein. I mean, yeah, the creature does do some bad things towards the end, but truly the real monster was Dr. Frankenstein himself to begin with. Yeah, I and think that's how you're- I yeah. understand people and I understand that interpretation. Um, it's a conversation to have another day that he maybe <laughs> on another podcast isn't yeah. as monstrous quite as, as he's made up to be. Let's just say that I'm a, a Victor Frankenstein apologist. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Eeyore. <laughs> okay. Eeyore. <laughs> Why do you attack me with that? I, because I, it's ironic. I, 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 I think positively about some things. Okay. Like this episode, there is not much going yeah. on here as far as action and adventure, but it's still, it's a good episode. It, now, I will say this. This one feels like a filler. This one feels like a connective tissue between stuff and stuff. Right, but there's still a lot of um, character development in it that mm, I don't necessarily know that it's a I agree with what you're saying. I don't know that filler is the right term for it. I could be wrong, but uh, I mean, you're obviously the writer. Tent, no, t- I mean, no, tentpole I, is. Well, it's I'm, the I'm flag thinking... between the tentpole. This sure. is a this is a bridge yeah. episode. Maybe that's better. Bridge episode. Yeah. This is a bridge episode yeah. taking us from one point to get to another point, so we can get to just get things moving, get things rolling, and. Mm-hmm. There's I, still interesting, interesting stuff going on. It, but it's all all the conflict is interpersonal. And yes. if you are along with the, this is where all of the stuff that's happened up until this point. If you like these characters, you're you're going to want to watch this episode because of the character stuff that's happening. But if you're just watching because you want to see superhero fights, this is not mm-hmm. the place to be. And I think it's funny because they were um, they're promoting some. Marvel podcast or Marvel video that had to do with this uh, and and the special effects people and stuff. And they're talking about like, this is like the perfect blending of special effects, superheroics and stuff. Like, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? There, there has been like two scenes of superheroics. There's been yeah. effects scenes, but there has not been any real superhero fighting. And that's great. Okay. That is totally okay. That's not what this show is necessarily about. This is about characters who have relationships that are getting turned upside down. And and where does where does it go from there? So that is that is uh, that's my final word on the episode. I, I, I want to hear your final word on the episode. Whoever wants to go first. I really I really liked it. I I kind of watched it cringing on certain parts obviously that we've talked about um they were icky uh i but overall i thought it was a good episode and i think that there's going to be i'm excited to see where we're going we've got three episodes we haven't had a real stinker yet i mean this is probably you know one of a few fillers that we've had but or bridge episodes but it's still not a stinker by any means no, no, so no, i'm i'm excited i'm I'm excited to see where this show ends and I'm excited to see someday, <laughs> you know, all of it in one chunk, right? A 10 hour movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. So 
it's it's um shows like this that really I used to prefer movies over TV shows, but it's having these shorter series, like a 10 episode series, um, that you can watch. Um, I, I'm actually beginning to prefer these, these series with shorter seasons because you still get a lot of action and a lot of driven plot, uh, without a lot of, um, slowing down. There's a tiny bit of it in, in this episode, but I was still intrigued throughout the entire episode. And I feel like there are a lot of movies that need more time and there are a lot of TV shows that need less time to tell the story. And and this show does it really well. It does. And I, I don't it doesn't feel cheesy. It it doesn't. But it f- still feels extraordinary. Absolutely. Okay, well, that's our episode. And I just want to say thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate you just spending this time with us as we uh, explore the MCU. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, go to uh, welcomelevel7.com slash feedback. You can uh, contact us with our voicemail. You can contact us on the website. You can contact us through email. And we would love, love, love to hear from you. Um, yeah, boy, you guys, I feel like we have been podcasting for a long, long time here today. I'm getting tired, getting a little bit hungry. Um, you know, you guys ever get those like baskets of stuff for Christmas? Yeah. Like, uh, we, we keep getting these from, from my relatives and it's got like summer sausage in there and crackers and cheese. And I have to say, boy, it's Gouda. <laughs> huh? Huh? Even after 14 straight hours, your cheese references never cease to impress. Ben, have you seen Star Trek yet? I have. I have <gasps> all nine episodes. You have all yeah. nine episodes. Okay. All nine episodes so far. And, you know, for the, yeah. since the first half, um, as we talked about, I need to cancel my CBS All Access subscription before um, they start actually charging me for for it. But, um, okay. yeah, man, uh, I don't know. I don't think we want to spoil or get into spoilers, maybe, but. Um, I, I enjoyed those episodes. It's a little, uh, there's a little 
it's mm, I've described it this way. If you want to watch 90 Star Trek, you need to be watching the Orville or 90 Star Trek. Otherwise, yeah. or 90 or put it get it get on your Netflix and do that. This is Star Trek for the modern age. It is darker, it is harder, and it is uh incredible. <laughs> it is absolutely Star Trek by way of like Battlestar Galactica where it's, oh, yeah. it's just that kind of there, there's not as much hope on the screen as you get mm. in in any other Star Trek. Uh, the other thing oh. that is not on the screen that you got a lot in all the other Star Treks is just straight up misogyny. Um, they're, right. They're, the 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 female characters in this show are not there um, as as visual items first and foremost mm-hmm. they are there as characters first and foremost and so you know beginning of voyager wasn't uh it's when they were like okay let's get you know this beautiful woman to put her in a cat suit that it started turning into that and they did some good things with the character and they allowed the actress to actually do good things as an actress as well don't get me wrong but that's not the primary motivating factor behind bringing in seven of no and no. And then the same with, you know, the first few episodes of, of Enterprise is just, you know, hey, you're going to show skin, you know, and, and this ep- this show, it's it's not about the skin. Uh, no, there, there is stuff going on that is mature stuff, but it's not about, you know, titillating the audience. Um, and so I, I appreciate that about it. I appreciate the thoughts that are going into the ideas of the show. Um they're seeking out new life. You know, there are aliens in this show that are truly alien and they're f- trying to figure them out. And it's, I, I like that. I, I, I like that. They are letting it be a sci-fi show about some scientific exploration. And I like that they are fallible. They're not perfect humans. You know, uh, they, m- they mess up when it comes to the tardigrade. They they don't know how to deal with it, mm-hmm. and then she she's able to figure it out. I think that's a fantastic thing that you didn't necessarily see. And you know, Jordy always knew the answers. Data always knows the answers, even if they don't know the answers immediately. They figure out the answers. And well, let me try to do this techno babble. Oh, and it works just fine. Yeah, yeah, no, and. It's it's in some ways it's like the the sci-fi scientific version of like a Godzilla movie where Godzilla gets knocked down he's about to lose and how does he win by getting up and trying harder and being stronger mm-hmm. and and that's what happens in Star Trek a lot is okay we can't oh we we didn't get it right this time because it's commercial break and we still have one more act <laughs> to go but we're just gonna try smarter this time and it mm-hmm. worked. Yeah, even though it's just words that fix the problem and then buttons that we press that go along with the words. And that's not to say that those episodes are bad episodes. Some of them are, but it's the human stuff that's always been the interesting stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. That the you know, the action and the techno babble are all window dressing. But with this with Star Trek Discovery, uh yeah, they they have characters you actually care about, like or don't like, but you're supposed to like them or not like them. And right. Captain Lorca, right. man. He's guy, intense. He is. You know, 
the first, the thing I will always remember Jason Isaacs for always is he's the, uh, he's my wife and I call him the ketchup bottle guy from, um, Armageddon, right? He's the guy who says, if you, if you detonate a, uh, a stick of dynamite on the outside of your hand, you might, you know, get a little singy, but if you put your, you, you close your hand around the, the stick of dynamite, your wife's going to be opening up your ketchup bottles. <laughs> okay. He's talking about blowing up the asteroid, right? Yeah. Um, and the other thing I'll remember him from is uh, the Patriot with um, D- Mel Gibson. This actor is amazing, and he does not disappoint in this role. Does not. Yeah, well, and they give him the eye thing where he has to have low lighting. His eyes don't adjust to light mm-hmm. easily. And um, I, and why does that? I don't know. Okay. Why is it? It's metaphorical, man. I mean, this is a guy who exists in, in the shadows, in darkness in shadows mm-hmm. uh, physically mm-hmm. and metaphorically. And, and mm-hmm. he's a gray area. Like th- they have to work around him in some ways because He's going to do the job. He's going to get the job done, but he's not going to always follow the rules. And that means, you know, whatever it means. But then he, he also job mission first. And that means what about you know, these other th- factors that we need to be considerate of? Nope, we're not. That's second. And so do you want to hear my my crazy outlandish theory about about the ship? Yeah, sure. So the registry number is NCC one zero three one. This is the the beginnings of Section thirty one. And if you don't know, listeners, Section thirty one is like the covert ops of the Star Trek universe. You know, if if the Enterprise is the 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 shining, you know, the shining armor battle or you know army military forces not a military but whatever um section 31 is the guys who go in and and take care of the thing that nobody can take care of and nobody can deal with they're the special ops and so it seems they operate in gray areas and they operate in low light and they operate in shadows just like captain Lorca. except this happens after enterprise and weren't there some Section 31 people in Enterprise? I don't remember now. Ben? What? Don't. No. 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 You can't ruin my theory, Ben. I, I'm I not letting you. I don't mean to, but I want to see. I think there was because I think, um, what's his face? The, uh, the, uh, um, yeah. the armory officer, Reed. Was section thirty one? Yep. Yeah. Sorry, man. Whatever. Okay. Well, it's, they could still be section thirty one. Yeah. Well, it's just an interesting. Why pick those numbers? You know, those. If you have, I mean, they might as well have picked one zero four seven for crying out loud. Okay. Without spoiling things. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the ending? Uh, well, I mean, it's not an ending and, and that's part of the frustration. I mean, it ends on the cliffhanger <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm very, very curious, very, very curious what's going on. You might as, what's happened. You might as well have had Riker 
say fire and then cut to credits for three months. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that bad, but no, it's there because it's not three months. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's close enough. It's, it's not three months, but it, it, three months now would feel like a year. <laughs> well, it three ends, months. It ends with them saying some questions mm-hmm. and, and not knowing any idea of what the answers are. And that's the way it was for me. I'm like, oh, I, Okay, I don't know what's going on here. What I yeah. want to know what's going on here, but I don't know what's going on here. I stopped trying to find connections. I stopped trying to find, you know, oh, this is connected there. Oh, that's connected there. Because A, I do that in the MCU and it's exhausting. And B, <laughs> um, I don't know that they're trying to connect things. My whole NCC 1031 thing aside, I don't know that they're trying to connect things. I think they're just trying to tell a good story. So I'll let them and I'll go on the adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying it. I enjoyed it. And I honestly, I'm kind of glad that I only watched the first episode and then I read the prequel book or listened to the prequel Mm -hmm. book that you sent to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It actually was kind of interesting to do it in that order. And and to, they they reference things in the book that when it shows up on the show, I'm like, wait a minute, oh, huh. that's that's cool. Yeah, because- I definitely feel like the book and the um the first episode or two episodes um are are tied together very nicely. Yep, and they should be experienced. It's almost like a three part uh, pilot you know, three part premiere, right? Yeah. All right. Well, all right. That's that. Yay. Now we're waiting, you know, 20 days. Let me check my TV time app. I think it's 20 <laughs> days, but anyway, all right. Later, man. Later.